2: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. As always, I'm your host Adam Miller here, uh, the world's worst bowhunter, bringing you uh, each week new episodes to help you level up as a deer hunter. Whether you're a very successful hunter or you're brand new, Uh, we try and bring you information that's uh, helpful to all skill levels in a fun and efficient way. Uh, this week we are talking with Skylar Summers from Behind the Bow. And if you've ever tried to hunt the hills, where do you set up? Do you set up up top in the upper third where it's terrible to get to? Or do you set set up down at the bottom where all the sign is? Um, and then uh, we also go into those moments where you make a bad shot, uh, you miss a deer, and how do you recover from that? Skyler is a school trained marine sniper, um, and if you've watched their latest video he he misses two times in one day. Um, we talk a little bit how to uh, uh recover from that and like mentally how do you get yourself uh back on track um but real quick, uh gotta give a shout out to our latest patreon um. Kevin Defoe from Howard City. Thank you so much for helping support the show. Uh, Patreon is crowdfunding for creators, um, and we do as much as we can to give back. Um, so I'll get that. I, I'll give you a swag pack, uh, t-shirt, uh, stickers, all that stuff. I'll get that in the mail uh, this upcoming week. And uh, got to give a shout out to a few of the guys who've just been knocking down some great bucks. Um, Alex Blue. Plou- out in Kansas, killed a great buck, like it was over 160 inches uh, once they put the tape to it. Zach McCann out in Nebraska, um, he he was out there for a few days and was able to get it done real quick. And uh, Eric Loso today is Michigan's gun opener, uh, and he killed a great buck today as well. I'm sure there's other guys that, you know, if you're uh, out there having success, share them with us, and uh, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Um really do uh, appreciate it but you know to give back to these guys who are supporting the show we do quarterly giveaways um, and our sponsors we don't work with anybody who won't give back uh, offer up something to uh, the guys that support us and so Huntworth uh, is giving away their Fairbanks uh, bibs and their jacket Um, so that's their super cold weather uh, big Uh, very, very cold weather set up that quarterly giveaway is given away in January. So it'll be just in time, um, you know, for you guys that have seasons that go um, past January, uh, like I've got an Ohio tag uh, into, into uh, February. So, uh, but that's what they're giving away. Uh, We're going to be giving away a bow um, leaning towards that bear Alaskan, or uh the redemption uh bow uh, i think it's called the resurgence uh same bow just comes with uh, all the stuff and then we're going to get that set up with uh one of the adjustable red dots If if you check out adjustable red dot go follow them on instagram um they are out in kansas right now i think they're out there for like the entire month of November, or most of the, most of the month, and they've just been knocking down some great bucks and, uh, you know, uh, really cool site. Uh, for those of you guys that have a hard time with a peep site, have a hard time, you know, getting on the deer, uh, maybe don't have the greatest of eyesight. Uh, the target acquisition on those is incredible. So check them out at adjustablereddot.com Um, lucky buck they give away. Uh, one of their tubs of uh, mineral and if you can't use that they've got some seed uh, for some food plot work um, we've been using that just this year up at our, our property in the UP I uh, just saw some photos with my uncle killed a great um, eight point up there with incredible time length and, and that's not something that we that we normally see now one year of uh, lucky buck I don't know um, if that's contributing but i definitely would say that it's not hurting um, up there really really happy to see that Um, and then Spartan Forge I can't say enough about Spartan Forge Spartan Forge is um, artificial intelligence for the deer woods there's prediction Um, you know right now we're in the rut so it just says full range these deer are running all over very abnormal pattern Um, but uh, in some of those bed to feed patterns, it, it looks at the weather, it looks at the history, um, and it says what these deer should be doing, where they're going to be doing it on those days. Um, and check them out at AI. You can use code bowhunter for, um, 25% off, but right now they're offering free mapping. So their maps are absolutely incredible. Um, they don't have all of the areas, but they've got a large portion, um, of the midwest with uh, uav flyover single branch uh, imagery and it is the best that's out there by far Um, but some of the same stuff you can get from the uh, other maps you know landowner information um, maps gps tracking all that stuff they have free uh, on their app so go check that out you won't get the predictable uh, deer prediction stuff but you will get um, the mapping and uh, that's just in, as incredible and they do um, you know it's a veteran- owned company they do a lot to give back to veterans um, and they're also th- right now they're raising money for for veterans and they're giving away a hunt with them down in Alabama so the guys that are going to be there are going to be the guys from seek one uh, the DIY sportsman Garrett Prawl johnny stewart uh jason Red from timber ninja and then the owner bill thompson uh they're all going to be down there so you'll get to hunt with those guys um and you'll get prizes from sitka Hoyt, timber ninja dialed archery spy point vortex uh the guide service um and then predator e-bikes as well um so if you go to their instagram uh there's a, a gofundme on there so basically you just have to uh Sign up for the app. It can be the free app. Uh Spartan follow Spartan Forge on Instagram. Share a post and then make a donation. Um and you're in the running for an incredible hunt with uh some of the best guys in the industry. Uh, so you can go and check that out. Check that out on the Spartan Forge um Instagram. Uh but if you've stuck with us for this long, you have a thank you so much. Uh, you guys are really going to love this episode skyler is a great guy uh and behind the bow puts out some of the best films um that are out there uh definitely check them out but these guys are killers and uh you're gonna really love this episode as always thanks for listening hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the Hunter chronicles podcast adam and john here and uh we got somebody on here that's kind of like uh elusive right like these guys from uh behind the bow they put out a a film once a year they kill all these big bucks they do all sorts of stuff on instagram and whatnot but trying to track them down it's like you can't you don't have very much information on them Uh, we had curtis on a few years ago to talk a bit about antelope hunting and and some of the the behind the bow stuff and now we've got uh skylar summers again you know from behind the bow uh, how you doing tonight, Skyler?
3: Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Wishing so, I had a few more tags, but that's about it.
2: Well, we, we've we got an abundance here. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, you're talking with, uh, the world's most elusive hunter, John hunts, you know, whenever he can squeeze it in and I'm the world's worst bow hunter. So it's like, I, I, but honestly, I've been passing ton, I've, I've passed more, small bucks this year than I've ever had in my entire hunting career. Like I don't, the, the bucks are there. We well, didn't normally pass them. though. I right? know. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I've, I just shot all of them, everything that walks by, like I'd shoot them. And I even said this year, like I was just going to go on a killing spree. And then these little bucks keep showing up and I'm like, oh, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so my daughter, she told me tonight, she's like, well, cause I just asked her like, what do you want me to shoot? And she's like, well, at least a six point. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, there's a, there's a, there's an eight point that's busted off out there. He, that's four on one side and it's got a, just the base. She's like, nope, let him go. I'm like, I, you know, I've never teach her that. Like, she's like, no, <laughs> next trying. year he'll be really big. She's seven. Right. So, but, yeah. uh, but, I gotta uh, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, she's, and, you know, I'll ask her, like, what are we going to do tonight? And she's like, well, if you shoot a deer, like, we're going to have to cut it up. So, like, okay, that's great. Um, But, yeah, so for for people who don't know, like, who you are or or whatever, and I guess we should probably tell this now. So, we told this, I think, before when we were on with Curtis, but we were down at ATA and... Uh, our first year down. Our first year at ATA We went into this bar, and uh, we didn't get any food. And Uncle Frank was just drinking IPAs. He just kept saying, "I'll have that IPA." We
1: (laughs) We ordered the food, and it took so long that, in the meantime, Uncle Frank got you know pretty blitzed. (laughs) But and
2: so there was these guys from, you could tell they were from the hunting show from ATA, and then talking with Dan Johnson at the bar right next to us and uncle frank kept stopping and interrupting their stories and putting his hands on them being like let me tell you and uh dan johnson wasn't having it but that was my first introduction to the guys from behind the bow because that happened to be uh the the gentleman at the at the bar so do you remember that skylar
3: i do i do remember that yeah a little bit not uh (laughs) the details but i do remember I definitely remember meeting you, for sure, but... And I do remember uh your old uncle there, so...
1: <laughs> uncle Frank. So yeah, yeah, that was the night I had to walk him back to the hotel and put him to bed. Oh. And we were staying on, like, the wrong side of town. And yeah, I had to walk through, like, the homeless section. John gave some homeless yeah. guy a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... A, that was a good one there. <laughs> but,
2: uh... Yeah, so for guys who aren't familiar with with you or for behind the bow like Skylar for yourself, like what's your like hunting background? Like where did it start and like like your your roots of like learning to hunt?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that my dad um probably still I, I think he might be even a little more elusive than John. He's probably <laughs> the uh most elusive deer hunter that i know um and he, he he does pretty good um but i started hunting um in northern wisconsin uh up in the big like the nicolay national forest and some of these huge huge tracts of public land which you know my first deer season ever <laughs> that i ever gun hunted um i said all nine days i didn't see a single deer so that that's kind of where my deer hunting experience started and my dad didn't give me any sympathy whatsoever, he just said that that's just the way that it goes. And I said, okay. Um, but yeah, he's pretty much, you know, taught me everything that I know. I, and I still like this weekend I was up north. We, we own a cabin up there and my dad owns a cabin up there. And then, uh, I was scouting this weekend a little bit for gun season which starts next Saturday for us here in Wisconsin. So he was up there. He's already got all his scouting done because he's retired now and he spends most of his week up, uh, up North at the cabin. And, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, so I've always been on the public land and then I went to high school, you know, and started bouncing around a little bit more public land. My dad would drop me off before I had my driver's license as a public land. And I go set up like a dummy somewhere and, uh, wherever I saw some tracks or some sign or a water hole or whatever I could find, I'd set up in there and, you know, started learning that way. And, uh, my dad would pick me up and then I met Curtis. who was, you know, kind of had the same upbringing. Uh, he's a little bit older than me when, when I was in high school. And yeah, basically since I met Curtis, we just started filming stuff in high school and if you would see some of that footage <laughs> i mean you, you get a crack out of that stuff it's pretty good <laughs> some of our first uh, ever film filming but curtis was always big into the filming stuff and he kind of got me into that and i just kind of liked it i don't know and then ever since then well then after high school obviously i left for the marine corps so i lived through curtis every deer season. And, you know, he started learning a lot more and he would, I mean, basically I would learn from him over the phone while I was in the Marine Corps. I I mean, he was probably the best friend that I had throughout, you know, in high school, he's a really good friend. And then through the Marine Corps, he was probably the best friend that I had talked to, you know, one of the guys that talked to me the entire time, Uh, you know, for those uh, guys that have been you know, in the military or whatever, um, you, I mean, you're still friends with these people, but you don't talk to them while you're, you know, doing that stuff. But Curtis was one of those guys that, you know, all the time checking in, telling me about shed hunting or scouting or these pieces when he killed, uh, that big buck in the marsh. Um, Ocho, um, uh, at, you know, that big, uh, big giant eight pointer. Um, that was probably, I remember the day that he shot that and I was standing in the barracks, just like jumping for joy, shouting out over the balcony and stuff. And everybody's like, what the hell's going on, dude? I'm like, it's November 9th, man. Big bucks are getting killed. So, but yeah. And then I would take leave from the Marine Corps specifically to hunt with Curtis and film. And, uh, when I would take leave, we would hunt the Hills and then, you know, so started learning about that um, always kind of hunted the marshes. Cause that's where, what, what's around here, you know, where, where I'm from anyways, within like an hour distance, it's mostly marsh, you know, to get to the Hills, I got to go about two and a half hours or so two hours. If you, you know, two to three and a half hours, I guess is probably the, the distance that I would travel in Wisconsin to hunt the Hills. But, but yeah. And then since I got out of the Marine Corps then it's been pretty hardcore since then we just uh i mean Curtis has always been probably the most hardcore bow hunting guy that I I know for sure I mean and I mean, I, I know a lot of bow hunting guys so and I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I I see what's going on with everybody Curtis don't doesn't watch any of that stuff he doesn't listen to nothing he don't you just really Don't care. So, and and that's what I mean. He's probably about as hardcore as he gets as far as public land bowling goes. So, from like inspiring, so from from that like side of
2: it, like it, it, it sounds like you're like me. And I say that in like the nicest way possible that like. It doesn't sound like you were very successful. Like you didn't say like, oh yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. like, how did you, like, what was the first deer that you killed with your bow? Like how old were you? And like, what, what's that success Um, story?
3: Well, so I started hunting with my dad up North when I was 11 years old and I didn't kill, uh, my first deer. So that, and that, that was gun when I was 12 years old, that was gun hunting. And I didn't kill a deer. The first year I ever killed with my bowl was with my bowl, and it was a probably 130 inch nine pointer on December 27th at twelve uh, thirty in the afternoon. It was like 27 below, and my dad's like, "You're nuts! You ain't gonna make it till 4:30. Why are you going out there <laughs> at at 12, 12:12 12 in the afternoon?" And then I uh, I got up in the street stand that he had set up for me, and uh, I called him. Like, cause I went, I got up and I went to draw my bowl back, you know, like I n- normally do just to draw it back and get get situated in the tree and get, get the feel for drawing back in the stand and it won't draw back. And back then they had the, um, the, the, the cable crossing had was on that little slide that was on the, the brace and it was froze up, but I didn't, I mean, I was you know, 16 years old, I had, I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I drove, drew my bow back and I, and I couldn't get it to go back. And I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I can't get my bow to draw back. And he's like, well, just sit there and see what comes in anyway. I'm like, all right. And then I, I kind of was like messing with it. I figured out what might be the problem. And I, I was breathing on that little piece a little bit and I got it to slide back and forth. And all of a sudden, I look up and here's this big nine pointer at like twenty yards <laughs> standing in front of me, kind of like the one right in between between you two guys right there. Um, I drew my bow back and I put a perfect double long shot on him, and I call my dad back and I was like, "Dad, I just killed a monster." And he's like, "What are you talking about? I thought your bow was froze up. You kind it wasn't drawn back." I'm like, "I got fixed it. Get over here, help me get him out of here." So yeah, that. I was 16 years old when I killed my first deer. And then after that, pretty much back downhill again, you know.
2: <laughs> so like, so. how, what, what kept you going or like, how did you like, what was your progress of like learning? Cause I think for, for like a lot of the guys and especially the guys that are like our Patreons, like, you know, they're shooting a bunch of deer here and there, some deer that you don't recover, you know, like th- there's a, there's a guy. Um, and I want to get to this like later when we talk about like your Iowa hunt, but like he missed like the biggest buck of his life at eight yards the other morning. And he's like, you know, h- how do you like recover from that? He's, he's thinking it's target panic. He's thinking like, uh, all these things. So like, and I want to get into that, like, like I say later on, but like for you, like how did, what was your progression of like learning and like sticking with it? Cause it's like, it's really hard for guys when you go out, if you're just starting out and you don't see any deer, you're going out there and you know, you're trying to do everything right. You're going out and it's raining. You're like, oh, the guys say you got to go out in the rain. Like, so now you're sitting out there just getting soaked. Like this sucks. Like you go out there and it's 27 below or whatever. You're like, this sucks. Like my, even your dad's telling you like,
3: you're an idiot. Like, you know, (laughs) like. Well, he says that a lot. (laughs) Ain't the first time I heard that one (laughs) from him, but no, yeah, I guess I would say probably, I mean, my dad was an inspiration cause he was hunting the same stuff and he was killing stuff and then, you know, become friends with Curtis and he started. you know, he's filming and he's showing me bucks and he's seeing bucks and, and, and then honestly, after that in high school, anyways, probably the biggest, the, the biggest motivation, motivational thing that there was, was probably all the guys that had their families. Private land, and they were always killing bucks. And it's like, well, I'm out, uh, you know, I can find the sign. I see the sign. I can find the sign. I mean, I see buck rubs. I see, I find scrapes. I see big tracks. You know, I see people sign, you know, just start learning that stuff and putting it all together. And then all these other people are killing bucks, and especially the private land guys. Then I'm like, well, there's got to be a way to do it. My dad's doing it. You know, he's doing it. He's killing bucks. So, you know, there's got to be a way. And then just through years and years of not really doing any good. I mean, I guess that's, that's the progression. I just, I just had this determination through, you know, two guys, my dad and Curtis, and then the motivation from all the private land guys that were killing bucks. It's like, well, there's got to be a way. And then, so let's figure it out. And, you know, I just, I guess you just don't want to lose, you know, you feel like you're losing, but um, you just got to try harder, I guess. I don't know. Just keep going. And you know, you got to figure it out. There's a way. And it's weird when you're, when you're in high school and you're a younger kid, you know, you don't understand all this stuff. And I didn't understand it. Like you think that you have to have private land to kill these big bucks and you know, you don't even understand that you can move her out. So, you know. Yeah. I think that's
2: one of the things like for me, like when I started hunting with John and uncle Frank and all of these guys is like, like everything that you learn about on TV and it's probably like the same or like on YouTube or like listening to podcasts or whatever, probably like with your dad, it's like, that's what Frank was doing years and years ago, you know, just driving around looking for tracks, crossing the two tracks and go in, look at the sign, walking the edges, doing all this stuff. And, you know, as, like you say, like as a high schooler, like a young guy, you're just like, oh my God, I'm so hungover. Like, why can't we just go back home? Like, oh, this is, you know, like we look at all these spots, but we never hunt anywhere. Like we only go hunt the same spots. And, you know, I grew up with like a gun hunting side of like we had 240 acres in the up by wisconsin so like rifle season you went up there you shot a doe like maybe somebody would kill a buck but like you just shot a deer He'd like deer deer dead like it wasn't like exciting like it was just like you see him with a rifle you just shoot them, and then they're dead and then you got a deer you got meat everything's cool and like it was always yep. neat to see guys killing big bucks or whatever but that was never ever like the conversation you know so then i started to hunt with these guys and and it was like you said like you hunt the spot like you hunt like you don't realize you can move around then you go out on these big pieces of public and it's like you can hunt wherever you want to like you don't have to keep going yeah. to the same tree anymore you know and i yep. think that's that's huge like so what is like looks like from a lot of your, your guys's, um, I don't even want to call them videos or like films, like they they're the, there's been a progression, but they're like super high level now. Um, a lot of the Hills. So like, when did you start hunting the Hills and like, what, what I guess, what would you tell guys like it, when they're first encountering like bigger hill terrain like that?
3: Um, I guess I, and I thought about this a little bit before getting on here with you guys, but um, I just want to say I am no expert uh, master of the hills. I I enjoy the hills. I, I I I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable about the hills, but you know there there are guys that uh, do you know have been doing this stuff a lot longer than me, so I don't want to try and act like, uh, you know, I, I've got it all figured out because I don't. Um, but I started hunting the hills my last year in the Marine Corps. Curtis had, um, got some information from, you know, a guy that, you know, motivated him or inspired him. And, and, and then he just went down there and started doing that. And then my last year in the Marine Corps he was talking to me about it. And he's like, dude, you got to come down here with me. You got to, once you get out, we're going to be down here. And I'm like, all right. And then, so we started going down there and just learning that kind of stuff and seeing what happens. And it's come a long way in the last five years since I've been on Marine Corps for sure. I mean, I remember doing some pretty goofy stuff right away um, and, and just trying to learn uh, that kind of terrain. Cause it's definitely different than, What's around here? It's farm country and marsh country. What'd you do, River? Oh man, ground tuning. A good thing I don't. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't have any boat tags left. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. So I mean, it's it's come a long way for 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 the hills, I guess. I I mean, just try, through trial and error is kind of how it, it went. But 2017 is probably the first year that I hunted the hills ever, and I got into some. My first sit in the hills. I think I saw fourteen deer, fourteen bucks, and one of them was probably one hundred sixty-five inches. It was wild. So,
2: um, I guess like when you're looking at like so now everything is you know Spartan Forge base map Onyx. Like if you're looking at the hills like from a from a mapping standpoint. Like, what are the things that you look for that stands out to you? You're like, okay, we got to hunt that,
3: or we got to check that, or that's, that's what we got to do. Uh, I mean, my first thing, and it's always been my thing is, um, uh, access, I guess, is probably my first thing that I look for. Like, what's the hardest, what's the hardest to get to? What's the furthest away from any parking lots? Where's there no roads? Like where, where are people not going to be? Cause I'll go there. I mean. Me and Curtis will go there. I mean, it don't matter where it is or how how to get there and get there. Um, but I want to get away from people's probably my first um thing. in Minnesota, that was tough. was kind of tough. Iowa's got a lot of access points to different public land chunks. Wisconsin's pretty good about that. I mean, Wisconsin's got, you know, a lot of the bigger chunks maybe only have one or two different parking lots at on them, and you can you can get in there a ways and get away from some people. Um, but then, you know, as far as topography goes, I'm looking for pinches for sure. That's probably my, my number one thing. And then I look at what's on top, you know, um, you know, so I, I look for the pinch tight pinches and then I look at what's on the, on the points by those pinches. Does it look, you know, you know, me and Curtis and Dakin guy from Iowa call it woolly. Does it look woolly? Does it look thick and nasty up there? Does it look like there's going to be deer bedding up there? If, and and this is all stuff that I'd like to, you know, go in on in the springtime and figure out, you know, last year, I just, a couple of years ago, I started my business. So I didn't get a lot of time this last spring to kind of do that stuff. But, you know, if I'm going in somewhere, which I do a lot without any ground scouting, I just map scout it that would be what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, you know, different types of uh, vegetation up top. I like CRP fields. If you watch the Iowa video, I mean, I was up in some big bucks on next to some CRP fields. And every time I'm around a CRP field, I feel pretty confident about that. I I think the does like to bed there or around it and the bucks are going to be there. Um, But yeah, big giant pinches and steep, steep steep hills so like when you're
2: looking at a topo map in these hills um, what are you uh, when you're looking at the map and the topography like what is your like definition of a pinch there I mean like so a lot of times like I'll think of it as like you know some sort of like waterway and then an open CRP field and then like uh, woods come together right and that could be anywhere flat or marsh or whatever, but in the hills, you're probably not gonna have water up top or, you know what I mean? So what does it look like to you on a map? Like what, what's your textbook pinch in the hills?
3: For me, it's something so steep that the deer aren't gonna cross there. I mean, it's so steep and I gotta basically climb up a drainage of some sort, or, you know, if I was map scouting, that's what I look for, you know, something super steep, but somewhere where I can get up in. Cause then, you know, I crawl up this drainage and then it levels out. Usually it's in between two big points on, on the side of you, you know, which typically with the right wind, deer are going to bet on those points looking down the ridge with the wind hitting them in the back of the head. And, but there's a crossing up there somewhere, you know, at the top. And usually in the Hills, you know, the, the fields or, you know, CRP or whatever's up top there, the fields are always pretty much from what I've seen up top. Um, Minnesota, I mean, there's some fields on the bottom, but those are kind of irrelevant to me when I'm map scouting. Um, but so basically if there's this, you know, anywhere from 60 to 20 yard pinch up top in between the field and between and and where they can cross in between these two points. Otherwise the rest of it's so steep. You know, and that's where I shot my Iowa buck. It was so steep in there that, you know, it didn't look like it in the video. I was kind of disappointed about that watching the video, which I watched a couple of times now. Um it's it's steep. Like you, you couldn't with that drainage that I was sitting on, you couldn't you couldn't walk up the sides of it until where I got to my tree, you know. And I like that kind of stuff for me, anyways. And and you know, guys hunt the bottoms. I would personally, I probably would never hunt the bottom unless I have um, the perfect wind scenario. Either dead calm, and I'm hunting scrapes on the bottom, or I'm in. You know, being in a scout sniper platoon in the Marine Corps, you learn a lot about you know uh, wind, especially going to you know mountain scout cyber school and stuff like that you learn a lot about how the wind travels through the terrain and stuff like that. if i have a big giant valley you know and the wind's gonna follow that then maybe i would if i had a plan for it you know like a thermal hub or whatever the guys call it these days but where all the sign is if i could get to it and i knew my wind was going to be traveling one way from there i i might set up there but I've set up on the bottom maybe three or four times in the last five years, just because I don't know what's going to happen with the wind. And it's almost impossible to tell.
2: And so it sounds like with your, um, I guess with your access and you're saying that you're, you're climbing. So you're, you're walking in to the predominant wind and then you're climbing up, so you're you're accessing from the bottom then, with the wind in I your look, face coming up over the top.
3: I I'd like to, yeah. I, I mean, I prefer to, but not every chunk of public, you know, allows for that. Um, but if if I had the choice, I would access from the bottom. And typically, the fields are on the top, so it's you know, if I'm going in in the morning, I I don't want to walk through the field, and and blow out a bunch of deer, um. Anyways, so I would prefer to access from the bottom.
2: And you mentioned it like in the Iowa video, you're like, all right, we're up at two in the morning or whatever. Like, how early are you getting into some of these spots? I mean, because like in that Iowa video, like you, it's like you went in in the one afternoon and there was a buck bedded right where you were at, basically.
3: So, well, that, that was crazy. I mean, the Iowa stuff was crazy because I went in there. On October 22nd, on that rain day, when I first showed up in Iowa, and I always wanted to look at that piece, and I went down there, and I got into that bottom, and that bottom was destroyed. There, there wasn't a tree left. There wasn't uh, a licking branch that survived down in that bottom. Um, I've never seen anything like it. So I immediately was like, "All right, I gotta go back. I gotta get in here, and I gotta set up somewhere." And I picked the spot and I didn't know if it was CRP or what it was. I'd never been in there before, but I always wanted to go in there. Curtis and I had, didn't go in that piece in the springtime. Um, we had come down a bunch and scouted a bunch of different chunks in the springtime, but never that one. We'd looked at it on the map and like, we should go in there, but we just didn't have time or whatever, you know, we didn't get to it. And, uh, Yeah, I'm on my way in. It's in the video. I saw like a 140-inch deer on the side of the ridge. I thought I was going to get a shot at it, Um, but my release was in my pack, which now I don't do that anymore. I don't (laughs) put my release in my pack. That's that sucker's in my pocket all the time. Um, But yeah, and then I did the same thing, crawled up the drainage. I, I think there's a little bit of footage of that. I mean, it's rocky, you know, and I've watched deer even on some of these drainages that aren't so steep but they have like a, you know, a two foot drop or something, these deer, you know, they, they kind of jump them or they kind of like commit to crossing the drainage. And even if my scent's down in there, they'll just cross right over, it. but it doesn't seem to be that, that way. If I'm, you know, walking anywhere else, you know, they'll, they'll stop on that, that trail. Um, cause there was another time me and Curtis went up a, just a small little dip of a drainage. And we had probably 13, 14 different deer just kind of commit to crossing that little little dip. And and none of them stopped to even bat and I had it, which is crazy to me. So, you know, just something that I learned that time. But yeah, that that big buck, that first day in Iowa, I think was bedded in that CRP field. But I had that right wind blowing out over that point. And, you know, I had anticipated things to be bedded up there. Um, and I guess we kind of just got right on that one, but that that spot also was all you know pretty far, really far in there, it was like two and a half miles.
2: Well, that's what was crazy. I was watching the video again because I cause I've watched it a couple times also, and it was like it looked like you guys shot that deer like super early, and then here you are like in the dark
3: carrying it on your back, and I'm like,
2: how freaking far was this damn thing? <laughs> like
3: fifteen yeah, miles it, in. <laughs> well, it was it was two and a half miles and. I didn't really let Curtis help me. We had gotten a deer cart from the the got the farmer Daryl that we were let us stay on his uh, on his property and and we put it on the deer cart and within the first 100 yards we bent the bent the shit out of the rim. It was just the tire, it was just junk. So I I would rather have carried the deer like I did the whole way than be Curtis with the camera and pulling the the wobbly wobbly ass deer cart that you know, he had to drag that thing over logs. It wasn't rolling. It was just looked miserable. So, I was I was kind of thankful to be carrying the deer. But uh, I mean, with all this camera stuff too. I mean, we probably could have cut it up. But I mean, we're not out west hunters, and I'm not. I knew. I, obviously, I was going to mount that deer. I'm not. Uh, I'm not an expert on, uh, you know, cor- quartering out deer in the field. I guess. I mean, I should watch a few more YouTube videos to pack them out, but. um I just regret, just carry the whole thing. And then something to me is just want to get the whole deer out sometimes too. You know, I just, I want the whole deer out and get that in my head and I want the whole deer out, but we also have to take all this camera crap back at the same time. Can't do, I mean, the pack's probably 70 pounds that we carry around every time. It's miserable. So it's like, we, got to get that stuff back. So we had to hike that stuff out. And then hike back in, take pictures, do some more interviews, do some more film and stuff, and then drag it out. And, yeah, by that time, it was, I think we got that thing out at, like, 9.30 at night, 10 o'clock. We shot it at 8.30 in the morning.
2: Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Because like, I was like, how much of this is, like, for the camera? Like, he's cutting it up. like, oh, Because Curtis had something like that on his YouTube, like, or on his uh, Instagram, where he was, like, carrying that dough out on his shoulders. And I'm like... These guys are always in the gym. They're just like, bros, like, we got to carry these. <laughs> yeah, I don't gotta know about that.
3: <laughs> no, we, we both been slacking pretty hard on the gym this year. But, I mean, my first year, first couple of years out of the Marine Corps, that stuff was a little bit easier. I'm put get, coming up on 30 here pretty quick. So, <laughs> it ain't <laughs> happening for me. Like, my one this year, I was, my one in Minnesota, I just dragged it through the creek. I was like, straight to the creek. It's pretty easy dragging them through the water. So I'm like, I'm just going to drag them all the way as far as I can down the creek close where it meets close to the road. And then I'll walk back, get the truck and drag them the rest of the way. So
2: since we're like on the Iowa hunt there and, uh, through that video, like you missed twice in one day, like right off the get go, you, um, mentioned that you were a, Scout sniper in the marines, like you're school trained, right? Yep. Yep. So that's like a big deal. Like when I was in the marines, like there yep. was there was no raiders, so like first recon and snipers were kind of like the the high, you know, the special forces kind of of the the marine corps. Like the, there were there were no raiders. So like when I hear yeah. like you know sniper, like school trained, like you know graduated sniper school, like you're a guy that knows more about like camouflage. Like you're like, can you talk like a little bit about like how you have to graduate from sniper school? Like the, the, the camouflage, like taking the shots and stuff and not oh, being seen. And stalking. then yeah. And, and he's yeah. out there in a freaking flannel shirt, you know, killing these deer. Like, I, like Dan. I, well,
3: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I guess there's a few points for that for me i mean scout sniper school is is no joke i mean it, it's a, it i mean you do hundreds of stocks but you get ten graded on ten um and you need eight uh i believe it's say eighty percent to pass um but but i mean there's a lot of rules and stuff that go into the stocking lanes in scout cyber school um but yeah, I, but to me, this, this, w- when it comes to deer hunting, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, Zach Farrenbrough or nothing. I'm not on the ground. I'm not stuck. That might be a little bit different story if I'm talking about stalking up on deer on the ground, but I'm in a tree and all the, all the leaves are orange and red. <laughs> so, you know, if a deer looks up at me in October, all the leaves are orange and red. So, I mean, and they're colorblind. So, I mean, what, what difference does it make? that That's kind of my take on it, But at the same time, I'm just so tired of hearing about all the different camouflage and you know, people pushing these different brands of camouflage and stuff around. And that's never who you know I've been, and never really what's mattered. You know, i it's just not something that concerns me. So part of me probably is just kind of doing that, you know, because we're filming the stuff, and you know I don't want people to think. Watching our videos, at least, that they need to pay a ton of money for a bunch of camouflage and stuff because I mean, you can shoot them in a flannel. <laughs> Just got to be warm, I guess. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the double miss as far as skull sniper stuff goes, that that's pretty heartbreaking. And I hope none of my sniper school instructors or anything like that watch this video and be like, what's this guy? He can't shoot a. Can shoot a rifle, but he can't shoot a blown and arrow. But well, I mean,
2: well, and that's kind of like what I wanted to go. Th- you know, like the the mental thing is like that's got to be tough on. It's tough on anybody. Like when you miss and then you miss again, and we kind of talked about it. Like you know, the difference between like making that next shot and not being already in your head saying "Don't mess this up! Don't mess this up!" or just being like totally relaxed and like this deer is going to die. Like, that's what I'm here for. You know? Yep. Um, like how do you, uh, rebound from that? Like,
3: I don't know. I think, you know, the, the, the film, the film didn't really do, uh, maybe those misses, I guess justice because I probably didn't film everything that I w- should have filmed. Um, but initially you know i when i saw when i missed the first one i i was set up late i got up in there late it was getting light out that first buck busted me so i was i wasn't even had set up for that one yet so that busted me and then i'm like trying to get set up and stuff um and now i don't do this either i don't leave my range finder in my pack either <laughs> and you know so that's always in my tree harness, which I put on before I climb the tree. Obviously I keep my tree harness has pockets on it. So I keep my, my hook and my rangefinder in there. So when I get up to the top of the tree, my rangefinder, and my ball hook are right in there. Um, but I didn't do that. And it's just like things you work out over time, I guess. But after that first buck busted me at like 20 yards, I mean, I could have shot, I could have killed that buck, but he, he, he did end up busting me. I was still trying to get set up, get all this camera crap set up, and all of a sudden I look out in the CRP field, and that that buck was staring at me, right at, and he's eye level with me because he's at the top of the CRP field, and he's like this, and I had my arm out like this on the camera arm, trying to pull the camera to me, and when I looked up and I saw, so I had I, I held my camera arm like this, and stared at him for. You know, what felt like five minutes. So I was freaking out. I'm like, he knows. He's like looking into my soul, man. He knows right where I'm at. So, you know, but then there was some other deer in the draw on the opposite side of the CRP field, so which I didn't really realize at that time, but he was focused on them when I shot at him. And I had all day at that point, probably. I could have reached in my pack and got my range finder and got everything set up. I thought the thing was at like forty eight yards which, you know, I was pretty comfortable shooting at. I got ripped apart on YouTube a little bit for taking that shot because you can't see the vitals and stuff, but the camera's about two feet lower than, you know, me when I'm standing up too. I usually set the camera up so that when I'm sitting, I can film stuff. And when I'm standing, it's about waist height, you know? So, I mean, I could see probably the top of the lungs, but I wasn't, I was also not afraid to shoot through a little bit of CRP grass at the same time. Um, But I set the pin for 45 yards and I aimed at the back strap and the deer was at 38 yards. So basically I just launched the sucker right over his back and then, but that was just poor, you know, uh, execution of everything at all together, you know, I play it back and I'm like, wow, should have done a lot of stuff differently there. Um, and then that second one, (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. You know, self-filming's hard, especially with a DSLR. You know, it's all manual focus and stuff like that. I had that guy behind me and got low. And that guy did text me because I got his number and stuff, and he didn't like being called a dingus, and I apologize for that and whatnot. Uh, But the local guys from Iowa, they rattle and grunt like every five minutes. I don't know if you guys do that or not, but, you know, I'm not – like that i i'm not blind calling at deer ever really because when i do see deer and i call at them pretty much every time they run away from me so it's like why would i be calling when i don't see deer you know none none of them are going to come over here so i don't call at them unless it's like i feel like it's it's a good chance i have a good chance at them but this guy's back there rattling and grunting and growling and doing everything throwing the whole book at him and so i wasn't really watching over there and i'm filming some does and all of a sudden i hear a bunch of you know leaves crunching and that one was just straight rushed and he was moving i stopped him perfectly i thought i had him range perfectly you know i had already ranged that spot earlier in the day and that one i took hair off his back though i was a little bit closer but yeah, and then you're totally destroyed. Like you want to pack up and leave Iowa for sure. I definitely did. I was like, dude, I don't deserve to be out here. And, but I mean, it's the same thing with my Minnesota buck. I mean, that's another story too, but it's like, it's deer hunting, dude. If you can't get over it, then, then you should probably go home because it's just deer hunting, man. it's not, and I didn't know if Curtis was going to show both messes on the video or not. And I I didn't really give a shit. I mean, show them both, whatever. Um, I'll get, You know, people on YouTube tear you apart. People on the internet tear you apart. And, and it's just what it is, you know, but it's deer hunting and shit happens. And you don't really have a choice. If you're going to be a deer hunter, you're going you to learn to live with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to learn to live with it, you know?
2: So. So now that you're like, you're saying that and it's, it's like. I'm like replaying the video and all that stuff in my head. Like, do you think that, you know, when you guys went back in there and when you ended up killing that buck, like it happened so fast, you didn't even have time to think about those other shots.
3: Yeah. Part of it. I think so. Yeah. That deer came over the top of that Ridge. And I knew, I told Curtis, like, if you're going to sit on top, that side of that tree, man, you like, cause it's straight down, you know, we were lower than the tops and there was a trail probably three yards from the tree not even and we had and and i got ripped part of on that shot too on the youtube comments i read all the stuff curtis sends them to me my dad reads them all I, yeah i see all the crap that people say so it's like you didn't stop them but i had a, me and curtis walk two and a half miles in a bunch of rubber boots that are sitting down at the bottom of the tree i didn't want you know a three and a half four and a half year old deer to hit the that bottom of that tree, two yards away from, you know, my sticks and our stinky sweaty boots down there and just totally wheel out of there. And so I was like, well, and plus it, you know, it's three yards away coming straight down and it was close. You know, it felt like it felt like it was 10, 10 yards in front of you. Like you could reach down and touch them almost. Cause the hill was so straight down like that, you know, and I had the pin on them perfect. And I just took what shot I had. So, and some guy said on the YouTube comments that I hit the artery a- along the spine, and that's why I shouldn't aim for that. I'm saying, well, I wasn't aiming for that, man. And I was putting an arrow in the vitals, and the arrow, the broadhead, actually went through the top of the heart and out, straight out the bottom. He tipped over in like 25 yards.
1: I say uh, he didn't go but, far. I mean, shit, yeah. he barely had enough time to get the camera in focus on him.
3: I know it is fast. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that, that happened super fast. Didn't really have time to get nervous. Self-filming is different. I think too, you know, that was the first day that Curtis filmed me in Iowa. That was the day we decided and just by some miracle, it worked out that way, you know? Um, yeah, I, I told Curtis, I was like, I don't think I could self-film me killing a deer in this spot. I think it'd be impossible for me to get it on film and kill him. And I I was probably right. Yeah, that one. I'll film you tomorrow.
1: That one would have been really tough. I mean, coming in that quick. Yeah,
3: I I love the part where you uh,
1: were putting the chew in
3: (laughs) when he was like, "You're like, I had to pinch my, I had to throw it in real quick." We're not big sponsor guys, but I'm still trying to. I would take grizzly or Kodiak or any one of them really for a a sponsor. But, uh, but every big buck that I've ever killed, I've been chewing tobacco. So, so, you know,
2: for all of your guys' like approach and like, it was really big, like in the video, like when you were doing like your, uh, the interviews and all that stuff, when you're saying like, you know, I didn't want them to get when you picked that tree like coming in the first day like you didn't want to cross that trail so you got up that wonky tree or whatever you called it and then you know then you went back there like how um i guess were you just because those the trail camera had to bend down in that bottom somewhere like up the drainage right so Like, where are you at with like malt? Because you guys do it, it looks like in some of the other videos too. Like, with multiple day sits in the same stand, like, how do you, what are your concerns about like wind or, you know, or just dirtying up the place? Yeah, blowing out an area like multiple days in a row.
3: I sat that same area, but different sides of the ridge. So I was on the same CRP field in that video a couple of times, but I was on the deer too. So, if I wasn't seeing the big bucks, I would have moved to a different area, uh, for sure. Um, and that's what I did the day that I went down and checked that camera. I was, Curtis was saw like 54 deer that day. And I didn't see, I saw like two does and I had already been seeing all the big bucks up there. So I was like, well, they, ain't, they're moving. Dude, so I got to get out of here and I got to go try something new. Um, so I packed up and went down and checked that camera that I hung the first day. And I had uh, four five different bucks over 140s, 150s. One of them probably like 170s on there. Um, I was like, well, geez, man, they're back here somewhere. So I moved up that drainage, which was my plan. Get close to the food. But then I hit that crossing. Big, giant crossing. So steep. And then three different points came down and big giant cross. Couldn't, uh, couldn't, I was like, I got to sit this a little bit, let my thermals pull down at nighttime. And I had the right wind for it. So I was like, well, my thermal, my, my son's going to just float down this draw. And um, I was set up in this big giant tree overhanging, leaning over. I'll like, set up in there and sit this crossing. And that buck was bedded on the side of that point. Um, and then i had the same wind for the next day so i was like well i'm gonna sit this all day tomorrow cuz i think it's going to be better for a morning sit anyways cuz there's fields up top that are going to be coming in uh, from the fields coming back to bed on these points and I'm, i i want to be you know i want to be here in the morning once and just see what happens and sure enough he come through there across there in the morning the next morning so
2: so one of the things like that was would you consider that Cause I don't know that was that on Halloween that you killed that buck or.
3: Yep. 830 in the morning, Halloween.
2: So would you consider that like pre rut Were they rutting and does your strategy like in the Hills change, like when they're chasing or anything like that, or is that the, would you want to be in that same spot?
3: Do I think those deer were rutting at that time or pre rut, pre rut slash rut stuff? No, I don't think they were. I didn't, I hadn't seen any chasing at all. Um. But back there where that camera was, was destroyed with scrapes. Um, And in the years prior to that, Curtis and I had always had giant bucks hitting scrapes on Halloween midday. So, you know, the closer I could get to a pile of scrapes was better. Uh, But like I said, I don't like sitting down on the bottom because I have no idea, you know, what's going to go on with my wind. Even if I had the right wind, but if the wind dies down for a little bit during the day at some point, um, it's going to roll around in there. My scent's going to roll around. So I always kind of like to be up, up top if I can. Um, that way I know my scent. You know, I get the wind coming, the actual wind coming over the top. So it takes my scent the same direction.
2: So if it was the rut, like, so let's say that the deer are chasing and all of that, like, do you want to be in that same spot? As far as like um, on top of the, you know, finding that crossing at the, the head of the drainage, or like, you know, between the two points or does it change like where you'd want to be in the hills? I
3: think strategically in, in that specific spot, um, I think that would be a pretty decent rut spot. I mean, I was in between two or three big, big betting points, which I, w- I could assume that there was does on and Curtis, we did film some does in there. Um, I did jump some does on the bottom The those do like to bed on the bottom. Um, I mean, I jumped a big buck down there too. Um, but I think that that's pretty good. Those pinches like that, or those big drainage crossings like that in between, you know, you know, that's where I'd want to be in an actual rut spot too. I, I would think in between two big points where does would bed, especially a crossing like that, that you can clearly see. I mean Iowa's a different it's a different different game I guess in Iowa because I mean this trail was I mean, three and a half feet wide I mean I've never seen deer deer trails like it <laughs> hey, cattle path so, <laughs> yeah, so it is like they
2: say like Iowa's like worth the five five years of points or whatever
3: I mean I think the deer density in Iowa is awesome for sure, and i i mean i after that I, I will never miss uh, a, a year in Iowa for sure. I'll never not buy a point ever again. And I won't let my dad or any of my good close buddies ever miss it either. But, uh, um, but yeah, I still think it's, it's tough. I mean, it's still tough on public land, no matter what, I mean, you got to be in there. I mean, it took me um, eight days or nine days to shoot that one. I'm, So I got there on October 22nd, I missed those two bucks on October 27th, and then I shot mine on Halloween. Curtis was not having the same experience as me, and I tried to get him in here, and you know, he passed a couple good bucks on the film, probably bucks that I would have shot, you know, I'm not as picky as Curtis by any means, I like to shoot deer, so I mean, I probably would have shot a couple of those deer you let walk by, especially if they're at 20 yards. Um. But uh took Curtis 24 days to shoot his deer in Iowa, our first year down there. Um, but we did hit some warm weather that it got to up to 70. And, y- y- you know, it'll come out in the next video, which I know at the beginning of the podcast, we said that Behind the Bowl puts one video out maybe every two years. But uh, I think it's going to get a little bit better for, as far as that goes for Behind the Bowl because we've got about six different videos that. We're trying to get rounded up here.
2: So what's the, the future for behind the bow? Like, like I said, a year on there, pimping the hats and everything. And I actually went online, I was going to buy a hat and it says like coming soon. So I was like, well, I don't know what that means. Like, I know they're already shipping. Like what the hell?
3: Well, (laughs) you know, (laughs) we're pretty, we're pretty uh, low key guys. So we, I mean, we bought 75 hats, you know, I didn't know who would want a hat or who wouldn't want a hat um and you know we're not we don't have people working for us and by i, I tell curtis this all the time like we could just tell people like hey dude i'm sorry but i'm not sending you out hats or in the middle of the rut so like <laughs> if you order a hat you're gonna have to wait till i'm done dear honey to get the hat but you know if we get people ordering hats, it's kind of hard to do that. You want to get them out, you know, as fast as you can. So we just sort of like, well, we'll do this little batch of hats. And then if they sell out, they sell out. If they don't, they don't, whatever we'll send, you know, we'll take two days. We'll send them out quick and then we'll go back to deer hunting. But cause it's just me and Curtis. I mean, we, we, we gotta be in the woods every single day when we can. So tough but yeah so they're sold out the the camouflage ones anyway, sold out right away but we'll get some more uh um curtis wants to get his next video his iowa buck out by iowa gun season december 1st is kind of the plan um and then hopefully we can get some more out for christmas time frame if anybody else wants any more, we'll get some out but behind the bow i think uh future plans i think we'll just keep trying our best to kill big bucks and film it and i kind of cheaped out on cameras this year and i didn't like it and i'm gonna go back to carrying around the heavy stuff i tried to lighten up the load a little bit this year and it wasn't for me so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm not very fond of the footage i guess so because I, I was thinking you know i'm getting old and fat better uh get some lighter stuff You know, I'll get this little baby fourth arrow camera arm and all the stuff you see people pushing out there to you. The low light capabilities weren't really like, wasn't good for me. I didn't like it. So I'm going to switch back to the heavy stuff next year, which means I'm going to have to start working out again and getting back (laughs) into shape because I ain't good.
2: So, one of the things John always gives me shit about because I killed an elk with a rifle and I missed a few deer with the rifle the other day. But you're talking about the other day? Yeah, not the other day, last year. (laughs) Last year. Last year. (laughs) I shot an elk at 275 yards with a rifle I'd never even held before after carrying around my bow for four days. Come home on our own property. And I missed a deer at 30 yards with a rifle. And then I missed a deer at 90 with a rifle. Just my rifle. Just absurd. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: you know. But Maybe you should go to sniper school. But he's like,
2: he's like you can't, uh, you know, we're a bow hunting podcast. You can't do this. And you're out there scouting for gun season. Like, how does that play in? Like, you're behind the
3: bow. Oh, for gun season? Yeah, yeah. Well, gun season for me, Curtis he don't not, nah, he could care less about gun season. And, and, but for me, gun season, you know, my grandpa passed away this, this last year, but my, my dad and my grandpa, I I'd go up North and, and gun hunt and it's hard up there. So, you know, it's a tradition for me. I'll do it forever. I, I won't uh, miss it. I refuse to miss it. I mean, I already missed six years while I was in the Marine Corps. So, I don't want to, I don't want to miss it anymore. Um, it's fun. It's hard up, up in the Northwoods, of Wisconsin, the deer density is extremely low. Um, you know, and there's endless amounts of public land. I mean, millions of acres and it's hard. So the last few years, I mean, I, I shot a buck my first year out of the Marine Corps. I shot a buck in one of my dad's spots. And ever since then, I've been trying to find my own spot and I have not shot a deer with my bull. I let a spike go last year, probably shouldn't have done that because it probably would have won the buck pool up there. Honestly, (laughs) um, I could have probably won a hundred bucks on that thing, but, um, I let them go, but it's just, it's getting more and more. It's so hard that I want to do it even more and more. Like, I'm like, I can find these rubs. I can find these big tracks. I find some scrapes and I'm like, well, where the hell are they at, man? I mean, they're in, I can see their sign, but I can't shoot one. So it's like, I'll sit all nine days, you know, all day long. So from spots, move around.
2: From, from that perspective, like, have you looked into like the, I mean, with your skill set, right? Have you looked into like the big woods bucks, like the tracking,
3: like getting on a buck track and then, you know, I try, I, I try that i have done that a couple of times, but um if there's snow, you know, during gun season, I don't grab a muzzle loader or nothing and go out the second gun, you know, because Wisconsin has a gun season and then the following week is a muzzle loader season. If you don't shoot one with your gun, you could uh use a muzzle loader the following week. Um uh, I've never done that just because I've had to work. Usually I can't take that much time off of work. Um but I do like that. I do like cutting tracks and I do like following them I do get intrigued by some of these guys putting videos about videos out of about that kind of stuff um, I like to watch that and I kind of like to you know learn how they how they do that and I think I might get more into that up there for sure because I mean I've sat all nine days before not seen anything I'd rather walk around for nine days honestly and just makes maybe donts Stumble into one or something, you know? Well, that, that dude, Hal Blood up, up in
2: Maine, the Big Woods Bucks, he's a former Marine. And like, when he got out of the Marines, that's what he did is he went up to the, this giant tracks of land and then he gets on tracks fresh tracks. And, down. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause the deer density awesome. so low. That's, that's what they do. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that sounds like, you know, you got the, you got the land, like you just need the snow and it'd be. Yep. Be one of I those like
3: things. that. It's, it's supposed to get a good good amount of snow um Wednesday, Thursday, I think up there. So it might, but I found some good stuff this last weekend. I walk I, I put on I think I might walk twenty miles or so up there. And I got a couple of good plans, but it's just trying to beat my dad, you know. <laughs> Gotta shoot a bigger buck than him. So uh, when you go up there, do you um
2: still do all the filming and everything or are you Say this is just this is this one's for me.
3: Um, last year I didn't. I have filmed my dad because my dad kills bucks up there. So I filmed him a few times. I just sit with him and film because, you know, gun hunting to me is not really about killing deer. I mean, I don't you know, I could come down here probably or go down in southern Wisconsin somewhere and probably, you know, do a little bit better. Um but I like to go up there with him and, you know, in the years past my grandpa and stuff like that. And I just like it. I just like the cabin. I like the, the, the people and the, and the, the conversations and the beer drinking and, and that kind of stuff. It's, it's just what I like. And I do want to make a video on it. I think I'm going to do, well, when me and Curtis had that stuff, I kind of really didn't give a shit about, filming stuff that much anymore um and then you know with the bury the hatchet videos i'm like all right dude let's get let's get it going it, to me now if i'm not filming it i mean i don't even want to be really be out there it's not worth hunting if i'm not filming it, it does, doesn't even seem right anymore so um I, I'm, I'm going to make a couple gun hunting videos, whether or not Curtis wants <laughs> to be on the behind the bow channel. I don't know, but we'll see behind the bullet. <laughs> yeah. We have some orange behind the bowl hats and people bought them. So I mean, what the hell?
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for the, on the filming aspect of it, like what, uh, tips do you have for guys that are trying to do the self filming thing? Like, is there anything that you've like learned or like the, or like just like straight up, it's hard, it sucks and you understand it's going to be difficult.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to post something on my Instagram pretty soon, but the day before I shot my Minnesota buck, I had what I think is a booner had it been 21, 22 inches wide, 10 pointer, probably one of the biggest bucks that I've ever seen in the tree stand at 35 yards. And if I wasn't self-filming, uh, I think I would have killed them for sure. I drew back on him. If I would have got five more seconds, I probably still would have killed him. Self-filming. Um, but tips for for self-filming, I mean, it depends what you're trying to do. I mean, Curtis is a freak of nature with all this stuff. And so don't like look at what Curtis does and think that uh, everybody can do that. Because certainly, I don't think everybody's cut off for that. I mean he's filming with some very heavy cameras with you know some big lenses and stuff that you know maybe he's not even affordable to your average guy you know but curtis runs a business that you know he films stuff to for his livelihood too you know so he has invested a lot of money but we invested a lot of money before that into this stuff um But if you, if you're just trying to film your hunts to show your grandpa or your dad or, or whatnot, I mean, there's a lot of good video cameras out there. Like I just bought a Panasonic camera this year. Um, I like to see 4k at least, you know, Dan Infault, Dan Infault's a legend for sure, but his video (laughs) videos are, I mean, (laughs) they're down there a little bit. Um, the, the quality of the actual videos the content quality of the content is excellent for sure um so you know it's just deciding on what you want to do as far as as far as that goes do you want to make you know hd 4k quality films or do you just want to show people what you're what you're what you're seeing and what you're doing i mean i think i mean honestly i think dan info should probably just get an iphone and use that because. I mean, iPhones do great, <laughs> great stuff these days, but yeah, I bought the Panasonic, um, it's 4k, 60 frames per second, 60 frames per second allows you to be able to slow it down a little bit. If you want to do, you know, slow, a little bit of slow motion keeps the audio. Um, so I'd like to, if I were to buy anything, I would make sure at least it has 4k, the capability of 4k 60 frames per second. But Typically, you're going to shoot in 4K, you know, 25 or 30 frames per second, depending on kind of what what kind of look you want. Different uh, motion blur between 24 frames per second and 30 frames per second. Really any motion blur at all. It, It doesn't like look what your natural eye sees. You know, it looks a little goofy. So, I mean, filming's cool. I mean, I like it, but it's hard. Yeah, for sure. And it's cost me a couple big bucks. That's for sure too. But that's okay. That's okay.
2: I, I, I don't want this to come off like the wrong way, but like the way that you guys do your videos, like I loved like to see all of your like failures, <laughs> like, like the myth. Oh, there's of, a lot of those. And like the, like falling in the Creek and like, like I, just seeing like the quality of like what you guys do, like with the cameras and everything like that. Like when you're like, I think I got water in this lens. Like it made me want to puke. Cause I'm like, that's expensive. That's an expensive, like mistake. And you're like, I dropped my interview camera, like from the tree or like, like, Oh that was my God. Same day. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> so like Man. when everybody's cause like, you know, John and I have filmed, self-filmed, and it's, just, it's a lot of freaking work, and it's extra stuff to, like, set up. So, like, what is your, like, mobile hunting setup? Like, what are you carrying for, like, stick, stand, like, that sort of thing?
3: Yeah, I figured we'd get into that a little bit. I do have a saddle. Um, I have a beast stand, and I have a lone wolf uh, assault. A regular lone wolf i don't have any custom gear stuff even though i think i probably like a custom gear just to see what it's all about um i had seen them at one of the like deer fest i think it was i saw i saw a, a lone wolf custom gear stand It was pretty cool um i like the i like this the compactness of it i guess but yeah i i tried self-filming out of the saddle in iowa i like the saddle I do. I like sitting in it. I don't like shooting out of it and I don't like filming out of it. I like I like carrying it and I like sitting in it. But uh um I like my B stand. My B stand's awesome. You know, it's not perfect. None of these tree stands and none of these saddles I don't think are perfect, and I don't think you'll ever get something that's perfect. Um, but my B stands light. I just bought some tethered those tethered one sticks this year. Um, I like them, you know, and this is where, you know, this is where behind the bull is probably going to fail someday because I'm pretty critical about this kind of stuff. And uh, never are we going to be, you know, like if we don't like some, I'm not going to tell people I like some, if I don't like it and Curtis definitely won't either. Um, I like the light, the, the tethered sticks are nice. They're light. I don't really like grabbing onto them. They got like a weird, um, bracket on the back kind of gets in the way of my, my fingers when I try to climb up and grab. Um, and I don't like them if I'm going high in the tree because if they work really nice on straight trees, they work really good on soft trees, but it seems like if I'm in like a hard oak tree or something like that, or something with, you know, it seems kind of dangerous with that rope uh, and, and the bolt bolt cleat type, you know, like the stick could kick off the tree or something up high. So I use my B sticks up high. If I'm going higher, I only have three tethered sticks. I always carry one B stick at least sometimes two. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't put them high just because I don't feel safe on them. Um, I don't, the B sticks cinch down. They got a nice cleat on them. They're really, they're really, uh, cinch down really tight to the tree which i like they feel you know i mean you could yank that thing as hard as you could and it's not gonna you know waver on the tree whatsoever so but the beast stuff is light man it's quality it's good i like i like the beast stuff all that's all that's nice uh, i like those tethered sticks i do like them if you're only going three sticks high or whatever uh, I'd definitely get those tethered sticks, super light, super cool. Um, but yeah. And then as far as camera equipment goes this year, I was running the, for an interview camera. We always have an interview camera and then a shot camera, you know, your, your main camera. I use the Panasonic this year. I'm going to switch back probably, probably to, uh, Canon R5, what Curtis runs, the um dslr but this year i ran the panasonic and the canon m50 and then used the gopro for very minimal stuff don't like to use the gopro and mostly all this stuff comes down to when kurt let kurt do all the editing man because that's where he goes that's his thing and he's exceptional at it for sure um and when he says he doesn't like to edit this shit You know, we got to get him something better, I guess. So, you know, if he puts it in the the editing program and he don't like it, then we got to switch it up a little bit. So, but Minnesota buck was filmed on the Panasonic this year.
2: And that film isn't out yet? No. So what's the, you said, you said that was in the, in the swamp or in a, in a marsh.
3: I killed a deer uh in wisconsin in the marsh yeah a two-year-old 10-pointer um my minnesota buck was in the hills but that was on the bottom so which i've been saying that i don't hunt the bottom but i killed that thing on the bottom but it was goofy man all the deer busted me they were all busting me and i had a, a hole about the size of a basketball to shoot through and all the deer were stomping. There was a fawn. I was a stick off the ground. There's a fawn probably five yards from me, and there's a big doe out there, too. And the big doe started blowing. The buck was, uh, you know, a couple yards away from my tiny little hole that I had to shoot through. I'm gonna get tore up on or on YouTube for that for that one, for <laughs> sure. I'm looking look, looking forward to that because the camera camera angles through sticks galore. So, um, I drew back the fawn busted out. The buck was stomping. You can see him. He stomped both feet right in a row, took two more stomps right into the little tiny hole that I had. He ducked my arrow hard and it's probably some, you know, I felt bad about it at first only because I was filming it, but he ducked the arrow probably a good six, eight inches. He ducked and he's quartering away so hard. He ducked and the arrow hit him right where the 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 neck meets the the shoulders. Hit him right in the spine, took him off all four feet, and just rolled him forward. Didn't I mean I have never seen anything like it. Just flipped him. It's crazy, but I'm sure I'm gonna get wrecked on YouTube for that one. <laughs> so <laughs> jumped what, out of the jumped out of the tree and had to
1: shoot him again. Yeah. So what I noticed in the the Iowa film, you were shooting a Matthews Halon. Are you still yep. shooting that? What's your boat? What boat what bow,
3: what bow are you shooting right now? I got a thing. Well, since I started making a little bit more money these days, I like to buy. I got a thing for buying uh, bows. It's kind of the only thing that I spend my money on, really. I gave that Halon to my dad. So my dad shoots that because he was still shooting some rickety old Matthews from a long time ago. And he's got a kind of a bump shoulder. So it's like he should shoot something a little bit smoother on the draw um this i have a bxr back there and i have a v3x i shot v3x this year or yeah v3x Yeah, so Thanks. i'm a matthews guy i like the matthews i'll always shoot the matthews i've never shot anything else so not that i have anything against any other bows but i do matthews are made in wisconsin and they, i just like them that's why I, i'm sh-
1: shooting a matthews v3x this year myself so when i well the one time he hunted the, the one time i hunted <laughs>
3: <laughs> i look i look forward to see what they they come out with every year i know i think the details in them are small you know every year what what they're changing these days i mean like the v3x has that uh angled roller guard and then that tight quiver on it but i think they're all good i think you know like i got if you ever watch some older behind the bull videos, Josh Ogovy, the guy with the nasty mustache, that's usually how he's remembered that Iowa Buck that he self films pretty good video. Um, he's always been a Matthews guy. He switched to Hoyt this last year and he said that he told me, um, because this year is the first year I shot an iron will, shot a big bevel head. Um, which and I built my own arrows this year. Um which I, I'd like to get more into that kind of stuff. But he said the Hoyt, you know, no tuning necessary. I mean, it shot the, the iron wheels perfectly out of his bow. And he, he said he really liked the Hoyt. So if he says that he shoots a lot bigger bucks than I've ever shot. So, I mean, pretty good guy to listen to for sure, but still not enough to talk me out of shooting Matthews. Well,
1: yeah. I was going say it's, it's all, it's all relative who's shooting the bow. I mean, I've yep. shot. I mean, I've got Hoyts, PSC, Matthews, Bowtech, Bowtech, and I'm just saying the ones that I I don't have any Bowtechs right now. I sold the one. Oh, you did? Yeah, but you know, in, in the Hoyts, I mean, I go up and work at the bow shop uh once in a while. I'll go up and fill in, and it's like I can get a bow to tune perfect for me, and then the next guy, you know, the guy I'm building it for grabs a whole of it. And, you know, he's got an inch and a half right tear, you know, it's, and then, yeah, it's like, well, I can only do so much, you know, it's your form your grip, whatever, but you know, every bow feels different in everyone else's hands,
3: but. Yeah. You know, I think, it, I mean, I think it's it's the same as like shooting the sniper rifles and shooting and shooting rifles in the Marine Corps. It's like, everybody shoots differently, everybody, you know, but that's what it has intrigued me, especially with shooting those big bevel heads, um, or the iron wheels. Um, I just wanted to shoot them to force myself to learn a little bit more about, about that, about tuning bows tuning or building arrows, you know, you know, (laughs) there's guys that are way, way above me, but I just, you know, got to start somewhere. So you know, maybe next year I'll get a bow press and I'll start doing some of, some of that kind of stuff too on, on my own. But for now, I just build build my own arrows, flesh my own arrows, uh, tune tune my bow myself, and and it worked out pretty good for me. I mean, I guess I've never killed two bucks in one year before. So,
1: yeah, you know, I, once you get a bow press, the Matthews is one of the easiest. I mean, as a, in a press situation, you know, with the new Bowtex uh the uh prime or not prime, but the elites you know those have the the tuning in the pockets or in the can, oh yeah, so you yep. don't have to press them but as far as pressing bows like the Hoyt, they actually went back to the old shims they at least you can get a little tool that the shim pops into, so you don't have to try to stick your fat fingers in there and hold it, but you know with the Matthews you pop it out and you got the top hat system that's one of the easiest to uh shim your cams back and forth with. You know, so that's yeah. one of the you know, that and the switch weight technology. Like if you want to shoot like for turkey season, I'll be putting 60 pound mods on and not having to switch limbs like I did in the past. So
3: but. this guy's I'm gonna have to come down by <laughs> you guys and get a couple classes before I start uh pressing my bowl together and taking everything apart for sure yeah come on up we we'll, uh well that's a good thing about
2: having john it's like i just say here's my bow like make it, her up g-
1: yeah and then <laughs> yeah. i'll go over there and then
2: i shoot it a couple times and he's like okay we'll make a couple twists here we'll do one of these things and like yeah. it, it it it's it's really you know beneficial you know i was again i was having a conversation with my brother this morning and he's he's like yeah you know i uh I ran out of rages. So I switched over to these Ramcats and I'm like, well, did you shoot them? <laughs> like <laughs> how do, and he's like, well, they shoot just fine. And I'm like, how do you know? Like, he's like,
3: well, my other one yeah. shot fine. I'm like, that, "Yeah, that's that, like a that,
1: field tip. <laughs> doesn't
2: work that way. You know?
3: Yeah. I was always a big, I, I mean, I never had any issues with the rages. Curtis shoots the rages still try to talk him into shooting some of this stuff, but you know, he, he doesn't really care about, uh, all that kind of stuff. Just just now he's just more worried about killing deer and the rage has never really let let him, I mean, he shot his Minnesota buck right in the shoulder last year with the two inch rage hypodermic and, you know, blew right through the front shoulder, almost out the back shoulder. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I've got nothing against any, any different kinds of broadheads. I just, I wanted to shoot the iron wheels because I liked them number one, I guess I just like the idea of putting almost like kind of strapping an old school arrowhead on there. You know, it, when I knock it, I feel like it's tough as shit. And I feel like I could, you know, shoot anything with it. And, um, then, uh, you know, also I just wanted to learn that stuff. So it kind of forced me if I'm going to shoot these broadheads and I spent two or three weeks every day, you know, after work kind of, figuring out that stuff and it took me a while to get them doing what I wanted them to do. And, you know, kind of proud of that, I guess a little bit, just learning that kind of stuff. is it's fun, I guess for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an accomplishment of itself. You know, I see these guys that and I, I'm, I'm guilty of not doing it, you know, but that know how to, I mean, John, like, to sharpen your broadheads so the other way they're like, you don't even want to look at them, like you don't want to handle them or anything, yeah. you know? And it's like, I've tried, I've got, I've messed up so many broadheads from like trying, and it gets so frustrating. And it's like, you know, just to have like the discipline to sit down and be like, all right, I know that I have to learn this. Like, I know that I have to do this to, you know, to, to be the most ethical hunter, you know, to, to, you know, yeah. do your due diligence for, for all of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like I'm, I have John, so I'm like I'm lazy on the bow side of it. So,
1: <laughs> well, you've kind of picked up since I, I mean, I sold a ho- my house back in June, and I was supposed to start my new house, and uh, it still hasn't started yet. I'm like going to turn in my permits tomorrow, so that's why I haven't been able <laughs> <Yeah>. to hunt.
3: <laughs> sure. Yeah. That right now is probably a tough time for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I, I mean. At the same time, when we're talking about, like, misses and stuff like that, too, you know, that's where social media is kind of nice, too, because I've, you know, and I don't want to call these guys out or nothing, but, you know, some of the bow hunters that I look up to the most, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys know who Andy May is, probably, I would assume mm-hmm. you do, but it sounds like he just, he, he missed one, and then even Levi Morgan, you know, 15-time world champ, I'm pretty sure he, you know, he shot one in Missouri 65 yards and looked like he put a freaking smoke shot on that thing. And, you know, then a week later he misses one, you know, so it's like, you know, some of these guys that are probably, you know, a hundred times better at shooting bows and tuning bows and know everything there is to know about bows, you know, people miss, you know, it's deer hunting. So if you want to be a deer hunter, you're going to miss deer. and That's just the way it goes. Well, I would say like the animal gets a say too, like,
2: it isn't, yeah. like, you know. You could do everything that you want, and they yeah, they
3: not, move, they duck, they you're they shoot the foam target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you know, that's what's kind of cool about, it. and that's what you know. People get people get uh, pretty down about missing, and I mean, I'm guilty of it too, but it's just part of the game, I guess. And then, yeah. Lately, I've been. I don't know. You guys do a lot of private land hunting? No.
2: No? No. Like, like I think last year I hunted on our, my family's property with, a, with the rifle. And I don't know the last, before that was probably the last time I went up there, which was a couple of years ago.
1: Like, La- last year I hunted up in, well, was it last year or year before that, Year before last. I hunted on Larry's property just because I was going up. My buddy Larry lived up in UP and he passed away. It was a year ago yesterday. And so I went up there a couple times to spend some time with him. And then he's got 240 acres. And so that was pretty much the only private land I've hunted
3: in the last well 10 years. I don't know if the UP private land really counts, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. That's probably pretty, pretty tough going just the same i mean that's kind of pretty close to where our where i go gun hunting you know up up there and that big woods type stuff and it's hard those deer to try and find like i like i'm talking about like those pinches and like funnels and stuff like that up up there anyways is pretty hard to hard to kind of narrow them down i think they do they they do spend a lot more time kind of browsing around but my big thing with the, the private land guys this year has been, everybody's just like totally bummed. They're not seeing deer and you know, I, I just don't understand it because it's like, well, if I don't see deer, then I just drive to a different public land chunk until I start finding them, you know, it's right. so and, and all these private land guys are so bummed. They're like, there's no deer on my land this year. Well, go somewhere else, dude. There's all sorts <laughs> of stuff. You know, no, I mean, no you
1: want them just to stay in their private land and not see any deer don't don't go to the public we don't need any more people I, in the public <laughs> uh, i don't know
3: i mean it's just it's just frustrating i mean because you know i got like a stepdad who has got a bunch of river bottom land and got a bunch of friends hunting public land and they're like, dude, they're just not in there this year well yeah man this changes every single year you gotta bounce around dude you gotta try something new you'll like it if you try it you know, you go sit some stuff a couple times, don't like it, move. Well, now- Drive that, a half hour. That's the thing is like, even on our property in the UP,
2: like you get five, 10 guys on 240 acres. It gets small like, real fast. Like, you know, oh, you, yeah. you, you can't, you know, nobody's sitting in the wind. Nobody's, you know, you're just going to your spot, right? And so like my brother and I can do pretty well up there because we go where nobody's goes, you know, where there's not a stand. You walk in there and you're like, well, this is where the deer should be for the wind. And lo and behold, that's where the deer are. They're not in front of your ladder stand, you know, but, but like finding a big piece of public, it's like you go and you see a stand or whatever, you just go further, you know, you just go, you just go walk around, you know, and it's, I went to. John's favorite spot (laughs) and uh, I went out there the other night and my father-in-law had scouted it and he said there wasn't any deer out there and I walked in and there's one truck in the parking lot and I walked out there found a couple scrapes sat on scrapes didn't see any deer and I was like yeah okay time to move to the next one like I was like well it's the it's the rut like this is where they should be if if there's deer here they're gonna be here like no deer like all right well I gave it a, I gave it a shot, you know, (laughs) but
3: I tell, I mean, I tell all these guys too. It's like, well, you know, they're, they're hunting the same four or five stands on their private land depicting, you know, or depending on what the wind's doing, they'll switch sides of the property or whatever, you know, it's like, I think I've sat the same tree, maybe maximum of three times in a year, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, very, very rarely, will ever sit the same tree. Um, and look at the the THP guys, man. I mean, they they don't even hardly ever sit trees. <laughs> they just, just moving moving around on the ground. Tonight before I came over, I was watching.
1: I watched Jake kill that bone on the ground, and then I actually watched your guys' video, the Iowa video again. I was actually showing my wife because she was. It's like, man, that was a really nice buck. I'm like, yeah, you should see this buck though. (laughs) The one that you shot. I'm like, not only that watch, look at the quality of this film. And she was like, wow, that's, that's pretty beautiful. Like, like all the, the scenery and stuff, like the quality of your guys' work
3: is just, you know, that's, that's Curtis for sure, man. He's like I said, that that guy's exceptional at, uh, at, at what he does. And at this point in the, you know, like I'm capable of editing. I mean, me and him used to edit real estate stuff and I would edit some videos and stuff like that. But at this point, it's like, I'm not even, here's the footage. He'll, he'll ask me what I think and we'll make some changes. But, um, if I think, but very rarely do I ever be like, I don't like that. You know, it's always pretty good. And I just, you know, he's he's really good at that stuff. I mean, and and the sound design is a big thing too. Like, I think that's where a lot of the videos on YouTube lack a little bit. Curtis spends a lot of time, uh, making sure the audio is good and adding some, um, different types of music and stuff. I think keeps people kind of, you know, it makes you feel what's going on a little bit, a little bit better, I guess, instead of just watching a deer come in for five minutes straight. And it's like, well, I'll just shoot the thing already too. You know?
1: Or just listening to whispering for 10
3: minutes.
2: (laughs) 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 So, uh, for, for people who are like, oh man, you know, they listen this far and they're like, this this is cool. Like, where can I, you know, buy a hat, buy a shirt? Where can I watch these films? Like, where can people go to figure out
3: like who behind the bow is? Yeah. I mean, the behind the bow has got an Instagram. It's been doing pretty good. Um it's behind just behind the bowl um got the youtube channel uh, behind the ball same thing the website was a little bit different we couldn't get the behind the ball so we had to do uh hunt com. uh somebody had the domain name bought up and we tried to get it from them and they just will not let it go so we got hunt com. that was something that frustrated curtis a little bit but um, but yeah, that, all the films are on, on the website too. Obviously you can watch them there, um, but pretty much everybody's on YouTube these days. And that's where the hats and stuff are, which we should be getting some more. Um, spare with us a little bit, especially during the, the deer season. We're not uh, uh, very good at sending stuff out or being very timely on that. Uh, we'd like to get a little bit better, but... Uh, all we can't right. Spend every chance we can in the woods.
2: Yeah. I hear you. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on. And if anybody's listening, um, you know, and you work for Grizzly, Copenhagen, Kodiak, like whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, hit these guys up. All right. Yeah. Send well, some money. That would be
1: sweet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, uh, well, thanks for coming on tonight, man.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.